Good afternoon. My name is Susan Lamarco and it is my distinct pleasure to welcome you here this afternoon to the first of SLAB's reading forums for 2021. And the first event we've had live for a very, very long time. <laughs> Our primary to year eight uh, publisher showcase. I'd like to begin the day by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land, the Wurundjeri peoples of the Kulin Nation, the traditional owners of the land on which we meet today. I would also like to pay my respects to elders past and present, and specifically acknowledge the important role of story in their history and their lives. Okay, so here we are. Um, I, don't, I don't know that you realise how exciting it is to actually have them, but you probably do. But from my perspective, we have so many online things that it is really exciting to be here and to see all of you. So thank you very much for coming along. Um, this is the first of five, four reading forums we have planned for the year. And in light of our experiences in, in 2020, uh, where we did find that the online events worked for us very well, we've chosen to make the reading forum program this year half-half. So there will be an event live today, uh, two events online, and then the last event to finish the year will be the Abbotsford Convent, and that will be live. Um, and we are this year going to video record them all, as well as uh, do the audio recording that we've always been doing. Our aim is to engage school library staff in great ideas and opportunities surrounding reading and stories and to encourage best practice and discussion. Each event will have a featured topic and involve practitioners in sharing ideas and each will have guest authors or illustrators and the kids bookshop in attendance. Uh, so I've already told you that we're doing half-half Best of both worlds, we hope. We did find last year that we got some extra regional people attending when we were online. Mm -hmm. So there are benefits, and, uh, and I think that's a really good thing. Uh, for any of you that are on Twitter, we'll be using both of these hashtags today. Uh, the Slab Connects one is our general one, and we've added that Slab Reading Forum one as well. So please do join in. We are again recording each of the forums. Um, Many of you will know that we add these to our podcast channel every year uh, and on our wider, which is openly accessible to anybody, that's freely available to anybody. Since we began sharing material via the podcasts in uh, 2018, we've had over 2,200 downloads of that material um, across the different various podcasts and that includes regional Victoria and state and overseas. Uh, in fact, the 2020 uh, version of this event is the most popular podcast on our channel. Um, so I think obviously people want to hear about what the publishers have got coming. So this event is definitely beyond these walls and we appreciate the opportunity to share more widely. And this year, uh, for the first time, we're also offering a video recording too. So uh, this is another round of opportunities and there are a number of people that have requested a video recording of tonight. So the audience is much wider than what is, what is in this room, which is great. Uh, the Kids' Bookshop is obviously here again, um, which is wonderful. Um, they, they're here tonight, great selection of books, and I'm sure they'd be really pleased to take orders uh, for uh, books that aren't yet available, because I know our publishers are going to be talking about upcoming titles. This is our program for this afternoon. Uh, you'll notice that our first presenter has actually supplied a video because they couldn't be here in person from Queensland and the rest of our speakers are all going to be with us live. We have uh, nine different publishing houses that are sharing their work with us and then we have two slave initiatives that are going to be launched very quickly 
and our special guest towards the end of the afternoon is the wonderful Sonia Hartnett. Each publisher has only five minutes, and I've written here we're going to stitch strictly to the time, but my memory of last year was that they were all perfect. I don't know, does anyone, anyone else that was here might remember? I thought they were just all brilliant. So I don't think, my, my job is redundant, I'm not going to have to tell anybody I feel, unless this year they'd be all wildly carried away. But last year they were all spot on and uh, we had wonderful five minute presentations. So, the first, and I thought it was easier to do it this way, I'm going to put our, our video first. Our first presentation is our guest from Queensland. Hi everyone, we have two fabulous new picture books coming out this year. The first up is The Bird and the Herd by Kat Apel and Renee Tremel coming in March. It's a sunny tale about Australian farm life and is sure to delight younger readers. Next up in May, we've got The Tale of the Whale from Karen Swan and Pat McCandra. This is a beautiful poetic story about a child's friendship with a whale. Um, it's got a diverse lead character which is really nice to see for this age group. Absolutely gorgeous and a wonderful gift. So we've got some wonderful uh, fiction coming up for junior readers this year. First up in April, we have Fosia and the Quest for Prince Zal, which is the third book in this Roseanne Hawke's uh, diverse series set in the aftermath of the 2010 Pakistan floods. Then in June, we have the follow-up to Kate Gordon's uh, best-selling heart song of Wonder Queen that came out last year, which many of you may have read. Uh, this is Gothic fairy tale. Uh, this is The Ballad of Melody Rose, the follow-up, um, which is perfect for kids who just like to feel all the feelings. The first one, was about a ghost who thought she was a girl, and this one's about the girl who thinks she's a ghost. Then we have a new book in Samantha Wheeler's environmental series. Uh, these are the first two books about turtles and wombats, and the third one is all about the Tasmanian devil. And finally, we're very lucky to have a beautiful junior verse novel coming from prolific author Cheryl, Cheryl Clark, up called Mina and the Whole Wide World, and this is all about how Mina copes when a refugee boy uh, moves into the family home. Um, we have a lovely offering of middle grade books. Um, first up we have Girl of the Southern Seas. This is a great story set in the Jakartan slums about one girl trying to find good luck and rising above the hand she's been dealt. Next up we have Footprints on the Moon from beloved award-winning author Lorraine Marwood. This is set in 1969 as a girl starts high school and deals with everything going on in the world, conscription, the moon landing, the Cold War, um, really great themes in here to discuss in a classroom. Next up, lovely Nova Wheatman, The Edge of Thirteen. This is a great book. And lastly, we have a really exciting book from Peter Canavis. You might remember his debut novel, The Elephant. His new book, My Brother Ben, focuses on brotherly love and really, to me, feels like a classic in the making. We have three fantastic YA books out this year. First up is uh, When We Are Invisible by award-winning author Claire Zorn. Um, this is the long-awaited sequel to The Sky So Heavy and it covers um, some really fascinating themes around feminism in a post-apocalyptic world, uh, fear and uh, having to trust your instincts. Next up is uh, a really stunning debut uh, from Rhiannon Wilde called Henry Hamlet's Heart. This is all about um, letting go, growing up and falling in love for the first time. And then finally we have uh, a new prose novel from uh, Stephen Herrick. 
uh, it's called How to Repaint a Life and it covers uh, some of the universal themes that he addressed in A Simple Gift. My pick of the year is Rhiannon Wilde's YA romance, Henry Hamlet's Heart, which is full of heart, teenage angst, and lots of cringeworthy nostalgia. It'll have you remembering high school dramas, reliving the first time you fell in love, and definitely rediscovering 2000s emo music. My pick of the year is My Brother Ben by Peter Canapas. It's a really special manuscript that's full of sensitivity, and heart and it's all about brothers and birds and trying to win a boat and it just captures the Australian landscape and I just think it's a timeless classic. My pick of the year is Mina and the Whole Wide World by Cheryl Clark with illustrations by Bryony Stewart. I love this book because of Cheryl's pared back prose that goes so beautifully with Bryony's amazing illustrations on every page and it's just got wonderful themes about belonging and making a home. My pick of our children's list for this year is Nova Wheatman's The Edge of Thirteen uh, and who doesn't love Nova? Uh, and in The Edge of Thirteen we meet Clem Timmons. Clem is about to turn 13. She comes back from her summer holidays but everything has changed. Her friendships have changed, their bodies are changing, nothing is as it was before. She writes about the challenges of fitting in and falling out so beautifully and uh, everything Nova does is special as far as I'm concerned.
Good night, I have Bright, I have Ben Long, illustrated by Andrew Carney, it's one of our April releases. I couldn't get to sleep, her mind was burning bright. I'm done with counting sheep, she thought, I'll paint my dreams tonight. Join Ivy as she goes on a wondrous and colourful journey through her imagination, celebration of creative play and resilience with a generous splash of colour uh, mixing thrown in. Created by CBCA and notable award-winning authors and uh, Illustrated Ben Long and Andrew Plant, Good Night, Ivy Bright, has engaged in plot, playful language, rhythm, and rhyme. It offers learning opportunities around colour mixing, exotic animals, and the use of imagination. Detailed illustrations with hidden creatures to discover invite students to enter a world of dreams and create their own stories. In June, we have Frizzle on Me by Ellie Boyce and illustrated by Andrew McLean. Who's in your family? Frizzle and Me is a gently humorous story for the growing rainbow family. It's a big deal when your family changes, but with plenty of love to go around, even the biggest changes can be wonderful. The innovative use of non-gender specific child characters offers opportunity for creative thinking and interpretation. Frizzle and Me works on many levels, from read out loud in a group to bedtime story to discussion text. Last but not least, in September, we have Zombies versus the Illuminati by John Larkin and illustrated by Matt Lynn. Zombies versus the Illuminati centers around three 12-year-old boys and the world's sassiest teenage girl who just so happens to own a car and knows karate. Together, the intrepid quartet must come up with a plan to defeat the armies of darkness before the world is plunged into a new dark age. But not before Nicholas Baumgartner, one of humanity's only hopes of survival, lets out the air of his teacher's tires. Defeating the zombie hordes will prove extremely difficult, especially when your weapon snatch consists of lightsaber that doesn't have any batteries, a sack of doorknobs, and a non-existent Pegasus. It's all the fun. Thanks very much. Thank you, Tim. Hello, everyone. I'm Mary Valentine. I'm the publisher of Wild Dog Books here in Melbourne. Um, it's so lovely to be presenting to real live faces. So, yeah, thanks for coming along tonight. Um, well, uh, a new book by Carol Wilkinson is always something to celebrate. And this one we have coming up in April is no exception. Kids hear about climate change all the time. and it does, of course, add to their anxiety as they feel powerless in the face of what's happening to the planet. So in this little book, Earth Matters, Carol has presented what is currently happening very clearly in a way that kids will absolutely get hold of. Um, and then she's just as clearly presented the ways that kids can take action. Um, this book has been endorsed and highly recommended by climate scientists and by psychologists for a safe climate. Uh, our news is that this book has been received so well that we sold out before we published, so that's just lovely. Erin's um, got a sample copy if you want to have a look at what you're ordering because Erin will have stock. Um, so that one comes out in April, The Internals of Earth Matters by Carol Wilkinson. Okay, for July, we have Nestling Cockatoos. Now, this book is great fun. It's the story of Squeak and Squawk, who are a couple of characters who, at two weeks old, were rescued from a hollow rock. Um, so, as well as being a biography of these superstars, it's also an environmental story. The beautiful photos and text are by Angela Robinson Buchanan, who's a, a 
wildlife photographer and she also works as an animal rescuer. Hi, I think it's been a while reading that sweet book. Um, the, you just found them. That's been two weeks old when they found them in the hollow log where they, they lay their eggs in a hollow, the hollow of the tree. So it's just gorgeous. It follows them growing up and being set free back into the wild. For August, we have Power Up, Leo and Charlie Hope. Um, I think this book will really help young readers get hold of the, all the issues around power. Power sources, the terms that they hear all the time, renewables, non-renewables, are all really clearly laid out. And the issues around each one of these power sources so that kids can be informed. It's right up to the minute and it's been um, endorsed by uh, scientists from Melbourne University, um, engineers and other scientists that I can't think of who but it was. Um, and I think it's very timely. Um, you can see it's very clearly laid out for the kids and then it goes into what the future <coughs> might look like, what power in the future might look like. Later in the year, I'm going into later in the year now, I don't want to go too far ahead because I think see so many great things tonight, I don't want to confuse you, but I hope you all remember Vote For Me, which we published last year. It was so well received that in fact it was given to every member of parliament by our government last Tuesday. So I think now all the MPs will understand how preferential voting works. Fab team, Kathy Wilcox and Chris Sacklier are back, and this time they're going to Canberra. The kids at Mount Mayhem are going to Canberra and they take in the sites of Canberra and of course we, you know, all grade five, six are studying in Canberra, supported by fantastic teacher notes. Chris is an electoral educator in Canberra. Um, so that one's coming up later in the year. And then because we were all a little bit otherwise engaged last year, I just wanted to whip through our 2020s. This one has just received accommodation for being inclusive. It includes people from other cultures who've taken part in our history. Alliance of 
through their friendship and their responses to the community tragedy. Uh, Leanne Hall examines vulnerability and strength, safety and danger, and the experience of being a young woman in the world. The Gaps is officially out next week, but I um, spy some copies at the bookshop tonight, so if you want a cheap early copy, then come and check that out. Uh, so jumping forward to May, we've got a very exciting novel from two middle grade um, authors who are one of the two Australia's most loved writers, uh, Emily Gale and Nova Wheatman. So written by these two friends, it, uh, it's alternating chapters, and Elsewhere Girls is a time slip novel about two girls, Kat and Fanny, who live a century apart. Kat lives in current day Sydney and Fanny in 1908 Sydney. They're both keen swimmers and they're preparing for a contest, and one day at their swimming laps, um, they swap time slips and they swap places. So as each girl lives the other's life, they realise they have a deep connection and they each learn about the challenges and pressures of the young women growing up in the past and today. So Fanny's character is based on Australia's first female Olympic gold medalist, so this insight into our history makes this book a really good one for the classroom. Uh, Brainfish by Andrew Patterson won our 2020 text prize, so safe to say we love it a lot. Um, Seven Barn of Queensland, our main character Aaron, lives with his mum and older brother in a small town on the edge of a rainforest. He's sick of being a younger sibling and he misses out on one of the interesting things um, that goes along with being a kid. So when he's caught up in a theft at the local church with Damon, one of the popular kids, he's racked with guilt and paranoia about being found out. He's also keen to impress Damon and doesn't want to back out with fear of not being accepted. This is a really beautifully written story that explores childhood innocence and will resonate with fans of Sonia Hartnett and Bailey Finch Takes a Stand is a perfect read for kids who care about the environment. We meet 11 year old Bailey one year on since her mom passed away and her dad is definitely still struggling. Bailey spends a lot of time down the creek with her dog Shiva, um, but when Shiva swallows some rubbish that's in the water, Bailey decides she's got to do something about all the pollution. She turns her concern into positive action by rallying her community together to find a way to make the creek a safe place for everyone. Ingrid Laguna is a writer and teacher, and she's just an all-round force for good um, in this area of the middle grade market. So for teachers and students alike, there's a lot to love about this book. It's heartwarming and engaging. And our teaching notes also include a resource pack that aims to inspire middle graders to create positive action in their communities. We're super excited to be publishing a new standalone YA novel by Mark Smith, author of the best-selling Winter Trilogy, which is a much-loved classroom favourite. If Not Us is a rallying cry for environmental change, it will appeal to young adults who are passionate about taking action against climate change. Set in a small town on Australia's surf coast, the story centers on a campaign to shut down a power station, which just so happens to be the lifeblood and employer of the majority of the townsfolk. Hesse, our main character, encapsulates all the passion teenagers that so often have when they want to change the world. But can he overcome nerves of general teenage awkwardness? to stand up in front of so many people and make a speech. This book is all about standing up for what you believe in, facing your inner demons, and backing yourself enough to believe that just maybe you have the power to make the world a better place. And we're bringing neurodivergent voices to the front with Kaker's second book, Social Cue. This is a YA novel set in the year just after finishing high school, and it tells the story of Zoe, a whip-smart, lovable young woman who's just landed a journalism internship with a magazine. Her first assignment is to write a piece about her previous dating experience, as far as she knows, no one has ever had a crush on her. It turns out she was just missing the cues, and she had quite a few admirers throughout school. Readers go on a hilarious, cringeworthy, and sometimes fraught journey with Zoe as she sets out to work through her list of contenders as her deadline approaches. 
Social cues are funny and touching own voices, autism story about deciphering the confusing signals of attraction and navigating the path to love. It's a lighthearted romance that's really enjoyable to read, but it also tackles important discussions around dating, safety, and healthy and toxic relationships. That's all from us. Thanks very much. Thank you. This time to talk about Makabala, our own Indigenous publisher, small publisher of the year. Um, they're basically bringing so it's a good card for them to drive for tonight, so I thought I would look through what they've got coming up. So the first book that they have coming up uh, in April is The Emu Who Ran, Ran Through the Sky. Now this book is part of a series um, which I, it is a really lovely, accessible introduction to Bushmark for kids that sort of overlay and put in the context of Aboriginal culture. So I think it's a great way to introduce traditional stories to kids. There's a couple of books in this series now. Um, and the next uh, one that they have coming out is um, Sea Country. Oh, did I miss something? Sea Country. So only Patsy Cameron, who's uh, Tasmanian, she's in, in um, uh, near Launceston in Tasmania, and of course illustrated by Lisa Kennedy, who is the brilliant illustrator of Welcome to Country and Willem and Amano Books. Um, so Ani Patsy, uh, her country is Launceston, but she was part of the mob that were literally herded onto Flinders Island um, by George Costas Robinson, basically tricked into going to Flinders Island. Um, and that's another story which is coming next year. Um, this one is the story of Aunty Patsy growing up on Flinders Island, surrounded by her, her family. And it's a lovely, gentle story about observing the passing of the seasons and watching for signs from nature. Um, so, you know, we think everything is scientific, but in fact, um, Aunty Patsy and her mom understood something that we're only coming to, to understand now. Um, so that is absolutely joyous. It's a really lovely, lovely uh, introduction. And then this one, um, Kunye, is a little bit of truth telling about Australia's history, the lives of our stolen generation, the children of Udnadada Children's Home. Um, I haven't read this yet, but I'm really looking forward to it because it's about time someone tackled this topic um, head on and we, we all understood what it was like for those kids growing up in the solar generation. Um, this one's a bit of a personal favourite of mine. Um, Albert Nanajira, written by Vincent Nanajira. You might remember that Vincent Nanajira won the Archibald Prize last year for his portrait of Adam Goodson himself. Well, Vincent is the great-grandson of the extraordinary painter Albert Nanajira. Um, here he tells Albert's story um, and illustrated in these beautiful paintings um, about Albert being, you know, Albert's life story and the success he enjoyed um, at, in his lifetime, including being successful enough to be, be made an Australian citizen. Um, so that one is absolutely gorgeous, and that will be out in April. And last but not least, um, if you don't know about the series, you really should. Um, it's the Outplace series, and of course, Respect, which is the first book in the Outplace series, was named in Notre Dame on Tuesday night. Um, and we've got Family, 
forward by Ali Fangio and Sue Lawson, um, and the new book which is coming out in October is called Sharing, and it's all about if we share and don't take more than we need. Um, so it's a really lovely message without being didactic or heavy casual, I think. And that's it. I stopped. So thank you very much for listening. Uh, hi everyone, um, I'm Meg, I'm an editor at Red Press. You might know us from some of these books on the slide, um, through the Future State Vitals on Tuesday night, so it's an exciting week for us. Um, also, surprisingly enough, given uh, all the challenges, not a terrible year for us last year, with um, very small shopping in the world, um, being a kind of runaway hit, uh, the debut magical middle grade novel. Um, we've sold 35,000 copies of the hardback edition, and the paperback has just landed on shelves, which is um, really exciting. And if anyone's read it and is a fan, you'll be glad to know that Amelia is hard work on book two, um, which is a prequel and is set 30 years before we're in the same magical Melbourne. Um, and I won't give any spoilers, but it's delightful to hear on it. Um, so, can't tell you everything we're working on next year because that would take more than five minutes, but I'm going to run through a few of our other highlights. Um, the first one here is The Detective's Guide to Ocean Travel. Um, this is a middle grade historical mystery from the wonderful Nikki Greenberg. Um, I think Anola Holmes meets the good thieves aboard a grand ocean liner in the 20s. Um, it follows Pepper Stark as she joins her father or the shipping captains for a crossing from England to New York. When one of the passengers died and the necklace goes missing, Pepper and some of her new friends find themselves um, entangled in the crime. This is a twisty, thrilling, action-packed adventure full of charming characters. Um, it came out on Tuesday, it's already in rave reviews, so hopefully you'll be seeing some around. Uh, the next one I've got is another Nicky Greenberg spectacular. Um, it's a fictional coming out of today, and it tells the story of Henry, a hermit crab who is sick of dull, dreary life on the ocean floor. Henry, or fabulous crab, as he would professionally know, sets out to bring a little bit of bling into his life, but runs into some unexpected obstacles along the way. Um, with Nicky's gorgeous rhyme and beautiful undersea illustrations, this is an utterly charming book about wearing the true colours with pride. Um, in July, we have enough, uh, sorry, enough love. Um, the new fiction book from CBC Annual team, Maggie Hutchings and Edie Barrett. Maggie's text and Edie's illustrations work together effortlessly in this to really take you inside the head of Willa, whose family just keeps growing and growing after her parents' um, divorce. Uh, this is a sweet, funny, charming uh, celebration of life in a blended family and shows that there is no such thing as too much love. The Good Times of Pelican Eyes is a new series by debut middle grade author Simone Amber, with the first book hitting shelves in August. This is the babysitter's love for the bunny activist, um, and it follows four grade six kids as they try to make the most of their final year of primary school and the time they have to spend studying after school care. Um, they, each book is going to follow a different character and will explore a new topic um, around issues relating to social justice. Um, the first book, um, Save Joey's, is set after a summer of terrible bushfires. Um, and their character Sunday Moon is determined to do something to help the injured wildlife. Even if that means she has to learn how to knit. Um, look out for books two and three coming in 2022. Uh, next up, another series, but uh, this is a fictional series this time. So coming out in August, we've got the first two books in a series about emotional literacy. Follow Your Feelings is all about emotional acceptance and teaching kids to take the time to really sit with their uncomfortable feelings. Author Kitty Black is, um, has a background in psychology and research and has worked in primary schools as a student health and wellbeing officer. Um, but what really sets these apart is her funny and light-hearted approach. Um, so pairing that with Jess Rose's really beautiful, warm and um, 
relatable illustrations, which depict um, emotions as very huge animals. Um, these are a really useful tool, not only for parents, teachers, and librarians, they're, they're just really sweet. Um, so we're really excited about these ones. Uh, the first two books are focusing on sadness and worry, and we'll be following those up with anger and envy in 2022. Now, I'm absolutely thrilled to tell you about the new middle grade fantasy series that we have launching in October, instead of where away by Samantha Ellen Bound. Uh, this is a classic portal fantasy series that kind of makes you nostalgic for all the books you read as a kid, um, but it's got a twist that also feels really modern and engaging, and it's exciting. Um, the first book kicks off when Celeste and Esme Barton are pulled out of their boring summer holidays by their eccentric cousin bird falling from the sky and whisking them away to Bird's home at Seven Where We Go Away, a magical waypoint between different realms. Seven Where We Go Away is going to be a four book series and it's the perfect next read for fans of Venomore. We're launching this in a really big way, so I hope you'll be hearing lots about it over the next few months. And now the final one that I have to tell you guys about um, is coming in November, and this is The Greatest Mistakes That Went Right, written by Maddie Mara and illustrated by Cheryl Borsini. Maddie Mara is actually the pen name of um, two well-known creatives, um, Maria Rogers and Meredith Badger, who wrote this when they realised that their daughters, Maddie and Mara, um, were often paralysed by their fear of stuffing things up. Um, so these guys started up writing a story that explores all the inventions that never would have happened unless someone made a giant mistake in the first place. So that takes us from Play-Doh right through to penicillin. Uh, this is a celebration of mucking up and it's the perfect reminder to never be afraid to make mistakes. Oh, uh, that is all from me. You'll find teacher's notes and other material on our website. Do feel free to get in touch if you have any questions about any of our titles. Thank you. Hi everyone, I'm Ethan Mills from Ellen and Unwin um, and I have a selection of titles from the start of the year from us for up to about year eight level. Um, the first one is The Gorgeous Iceberg. Uh, author Claire Saxby and illustrator Jess Rackley are both multi-award winning creators and this picture book is the perfect pairing of their talents. Iceberg starts in the final freeze of an Antarctic winter. But if this world looks empty, look closer. Penguins trek across the ice to their winter homes. As the temperature warms, birds fly above on their long migrations. And with the advent of summer, beneath an iceberg, the sea is teeming with life. And I just have to do a little bit of showing to Pearl, just bear with me. Um, they do have this in the bookstore, if you want to have a look yourself later. There is an absolutely gorgeous gatefold, wordless gatefold in the middle, with Jess's gorgeous artwork of the under, undersea life in the Antarctic. Suited to mid-primary readers, Iceberg loosely follows the life cycle of an iceberg through the seasons and will draw children into a glorious Antarctic landscape. The lyrical text and stunningly beautiful illustrations belie their scientific accuracy, and this non-fiction book is richly informative and brimming with detail. Tiger Daughter is a middle fiction novel with strong themes that's probably best suited to lower secondary readers. It's about 13-year-old Wing, the first-generation daughter of Chinese migrant parents living in the suburbs of an unnamed Australian city. She's expected to keep her head down and focus solely on school and family responsibilities. Her only act of rebellion is to secretly study with her friend Henry for a place at a select entry high school, something they both believe will lead them to a better future. But when tragedy strikes, Henry shuts off from the outside world and it's up to Wen to make their dreams a reality. There's a deep well of sadness underlying this very poignant and insightful novel. Rebecca Lim writes authentically about the Australian migrant experience, from language difficulties to not being able to go to parties, to struggling family circumstances and finances and strict boundaries. 
Though the novel doesn't shy away from tackling heavy topics around mental health, parental pressure and racial abuse, it also weaves in lovely tender moments full of compassion and hope. This is ultimately a hopeful story about perseverance and determination. And now to a completely different own voices story. This time a warm child-centred exploration of family, history and connectedness. Six-year-old Arcia loves to go to her nanny's house. But among, best among all of Nani's treasures is the big old chest filled with quilts that tell the stories of the women in Arcia's family. We believe this is the first Australian future book to celebrate Bangladeshi culture. It beautifully weaves together the common strands of the author, Radia Chowdhury's Bangladeshi Muslim heritage by the, the gorgeous cutter quilts, which are created by sewing together old saris. And the illustrator, Lavani Nadu's West Bengali Hindu heritage, which influenced the use of the Patachitra panels that you can see in the bottom right of the slide to illustrate the stories of Asya's mother, her aunties, and her grandmother. Inspired by a desire for South Asian Australian children to see themselves reflected in the books they read, the Carter Chest encourages readers to think about their own rich and varied family stories and migrant histories waiting to be explored. Prepare to be led on a lush and lovely walk through the incredible monsoon vine forest of Gabiju country in Kakadu in the Northern Territory guided by Beninji man Ben Tyler and his long-term friend Diane Lucas. They first met when Ben was only six years old. With gorgeously detailed pictures by debut illustrator Emma Long, this is a special and beautiful, informative picture book, perfect for nature lovers, old and young. You might remember Diane Lucas and Ken Sell's 2003 book, Walking with the Seasons in Kakadu, which has long been a much-loved introduction to this magical part of the world. The creators hope that parents and teachers will use this book to help them step into the bush and provide a real and imaginative pathway for children and adults to learn more about their natural environment. You might remember Diane Lucas and Ken Sell's 2003 book, Walking with the Seasons in Kakadu, which has long been a much-loved introduction to this magical part of the world. The creators hope that parents and teachers will use this book to help them step into the bush and provide a real and imaginative pathway for children and adults to learn more about their natural environment, exploring nature from a First Nations perspective. The book includes words in Kunjemi and we plan to include an audio recording on our website so that children and teachers can hear and practice the language words. Okay, and last but certainly not least, we're really excited to have signed up a string of graphic novels for younger readers from Remy Light. Remy was born in Indonesia, grew up in Singapore and currently lives in Brisbane. Her new book, Poor Caso, which will be out in May, was inspired by her own dog who's learning to carry a shopping, her shopping, as you can see in the photo. In the book, Poor Caso is already a very talented shopping dog, trotting into town with a basket, a list and cash in for to buy groceries for his family. One day he passes by Joe's house where she's peering out the window, bored and lonely in the holidays. When Joe sets out to follow him, a group of kids from school mistake her for Porcaso's owner. Before long, Porcaso's so famous that he's got his own social media account and fan club and Joe has to decide whether she's going to risk her new friendships by admitting that she's not really his owner. On the surface, this is just an entertaining animal story for younger readers. Uh, it is a graphic novel, so it's fully panelled, as they say. Um, but it also has deeper sense of friendship, telling the truth, and I was impressed to read that it read it because it also includes quite a nuanced debate about pros and cons 
of leashing dogs in public. This is highly recommended for fans of Rainer Selzmeier. Thank you. So this is um, the uh, third book in our paper cut series by Japanese epitaphist Shigo Takeuchi. Uh, it's a fantastic search and find book for early children, uh, early childhood. Um, we say from zero to five, but as you can see, we have all the die cuts for all each of letters. So begins the extraordinary life of Tish, but what happens when the imaginary friends outgrown or worse forgotten by the very person who made them real? That's what Tish is bound to discover. This book is so well written. It's a, it's the artwork is um, we've got a French illustrator who's done some illustrations on the inside, full colour illustration. If there's one book that I think is that I implore you to read for your middle grade readers, is Tish. 
It is fans of Kate DiCamillo, Catherine Applegate, that is, this is writing at its best. It is an extraordinary book. It's hard cased. It's, it's, it's really, it's a really strong, strong play. So and is a French title that we've also translated. Um, so it's a clever cautionary tale for the fans of Chris Horton and John Julian. Using a sequence of escalating events, a mother warns a young girl what would occur if she touches a butterfly, hence introducing the chaos theory of the butterfly effect in a funny and accessible way. This picture book will delight the very young who will love suspense and allow children to explore the question they love to ask, and then what happens, with increasing dramatic effect. While touching, uh, with, while touching a butterfly does not always lead to a circus caravan pileup, in the hands of Philip Jolbert, we can expect the unexpected. Okay, so West City, I'll just go hurry up a bit now. So West City is um, by Nikki Gregory. She is an English illustrated author. Um, it's a fantastic story about, you know, the kids love finding little creatures in the gardens and bringing them back into their household and you realise a week later that you've got 10 little creatures that are in your bedroom, in the bedroom that, you know, died. So it's just a fun book about sort of, you know, setting them free, these little creatures. Now, a lot of the roles are reversed, which I think is really fun. And How to Make a Friend Side um, by Cat Rabbit. Cat Rabbit's obviously got a huge following. She's like 150,000 on Instagram. A story about fitting in and making friends without losing the unique qualities that make you who you are. Um, and it's a, you know, making friends seems such a simple thing, but it's such a big thing. It's a big thing for I think, everybody, even as adults. It's, you know, sometimes making friends is difficult. So just going to talk about this as being Wes Anderson meets Jim, Jim, Jim Henson in this unique photographic approach that brings the reader's eyes to um, his cat's plush creations. It's really fun, beautiful artwork. And that's it. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, everyone. And I'm very happy and pleased to see people in real life too about the big books from Human Random House for 2021. First is a picture book out that is out in April by the dynamic duo, pitchable duo that is Jane Godwin and Anna Walker. And without fail, they will always um, write and illustrate something that is whimsical and thoughtful and um, beautiful to touch and beautiful to read. This book is all about um, space and giving children the, the space that they need to think about things and not forget about things around them, not to forget about the simple things. It's really about stopping and looking up and, um, and smelling roses. It's almost like a sequel, I think, to uh, Today We Have No Plan, but uh, it is absolutely beautiful. Um, a new book from Mark Martin is always a, a bit of a celebration, and this one is a stunning book about um, discovery and of um, animals and insects and with an environmental slant, of course. Um, we would expect that from um, Mark Martin with some internals. Absolutely beautiful, kind of tall format, um, hardback picture book. Um, the other thing I love about it is the, um, is the language and it, you know, you start to get a hint about the beautiful language that he will challenge uh, the readers with when you read camouflaging creatures and magnificent mimics. There's lots of that lovely language inside the book as well. Yeah, so beautiful internals there to have a, a good look at, but it's, you know, true Mark Martin style. 
Um, so something to look forward to there. This beautiful picture book by Christopher Chen and um, Stephen Michael King will make you cry. There's just no way around it. It is going to make you cry. It is a, a love story. It is uh, the story that Christopher Chen wrote about his wife who passed away about 18 months ago. This book is a book about friendship. It is about love. It is about holding someone's hand and being there for them and with them for your whole life. So it is um, poignant and moving, but I feel like it, you could read this book to children at a number on a number of different level, levels at, a, at quite different ages. So for the very young, you would just talk about this book as a book about friendship and, and holding someone's hand and getting them, you know, being there for them. And on a whole other level, you could read this picture book as a story of grief and love and the beauty of of all of that and particularly of um, a lifetime of friendship and, and partnership. So it is beautifully illustrated by Stephen Michael King and um, just gorgeous to read. Now who knew that Tristan Banks is the great great nephew of Jimmy Banks who wrote Ginger Meggs? Hand up those people in the room who know G Ginger Meggs. Yeah, yeah, we're very old. So now we need to introduce Ginger Meggs to a new generation of readers um, and comic strip um, aficionados and lovers, or graphic novels, I suppose. Um, Tristan is the great great nephew. He's done this with um, Jason Chatfield, who is currently the uh, illustrator of, of the comic strip in New York. Um, they've come together to write four books, and I've, I've brought a sample here too. Out in May, so you can see it's a lovely hardback edition, anniversary edition because it is a hundred years um, since um, Ginger Meggs began, and there's four stories inside that little edition, and they're in full colour. So highly engaging, high interest, kind of um, picking up on all those lovely aspects of the Ginger Meggs comic strip, which is of course the humour, the sense of mischief, the sense of um, adventure, and uh, the excitement of that is Ginger Meggs. So we're really looking forward to that. It's um, lovely to see it back out there again too. The Blast, Blast House of Stars, Shelley Ma, some of you will know, she um, published a book last year with Fremantle Press. Um, this year in May we're publishing A Glass House of Stars, which is a beautiful story of belonging and identity, um, finding uh, yourself in a, in a brand new community, a brand new country, and having to find your place. Um, there's a little bit of magic in it. There's a, a, it is a story of grief. It is a story of, as I said, belonging and identity. But it is also a really, really beautiful, hopeful story of friendship and, and, and actually um, finding out a bit more about who you are. Um, that's in May for um, upper primary and lower secondary readers. And from Monica McInerney, best-selling author of grown-up books, is um, publishing her first book for young people. It was, I put it here, it was going to be in July. We've now moved it to November. This is very much a summer book. It is, um, what was that show that had Ingrid Sigrid Thornton in? Sea Change. Set in a caravan park, by the sea. Um, it's very summery. It has a lovely summery feel. It has a... Um, all the family saga kind of elements that we know Monica McInerney for, that she does so well, only this time it's for children. There's a little bit of magic, 
um, great relationships, great characters, and um, even a little hardback book just in time for Christmas too. So this beautiful illustration um, from Debbie Snell. And my last one tonight is um, Time Catchers by Karen Minane. This is a debut um, author again, um, Karen, based in Melbourne. But this is a fantastic fantasy novel for upper primary, oh, sorry, lower secondary really, lower secondary through the middle secondary, um, historical, um, very gothic, but absolute page turner, very compelling read, and, uh, and a great looking passage. So, and with some magic as well. There's a few books with magic there today, sorry. All right, I've broken my glasses, so <laughs> I've only got one arm tonight, but that's it for me. Thank you. You did Okay, now we're going to take just a very couple of minutes to launch or make a bit of a fuss about uh, two new initiatives from SLAV. Um, and we're really excited about both of them and I'm absolutely thrilled that they've both come to be because um, I think they're both going to be very special for us. The first one um, is Shelf Talkers and I'm going to invite the wonderful Ty, Ty Katana, to come and talk to us about Shelf Talkers. Um, Ty, obviously, you know, has been working with SLAV uh, in relation to our social media platforms, but she's going to take a leading role in, uh, in coordinating Shelf Talkers for us. So she is, this is the official launch. <laughs> Not too many people, um, obviously, a lot of SLAV people know about it, but this is the official launch of the program. So, welcome, Ty. Thanks for joining us today. I know that you guys are all super busy, but I think those of you in school libraries will really want to hear about this initiative. If you haven't already, I know Susan's mentioned it at Book Club. Uh, you Book Club have heard about it and yeah. Council, but otherwise the wider world know, and no one has seen right. the website yet. So there you go, you guys are like the most important audience we've had for this so far. So Shelf Talkers is an initiative that SLAV is launching today, which essentially is a platform designed to give voice to your students and their writing. We're offering them an opportunity to write reviews for books that they've read and loved, books that they want to read, books that they are reading, and books that they will be able to access early pre-release from publishers. We've uploaded a selection of teacher resources, including review writing tips, prompts, those kinds of things for you guys to access and download for free. And we've got a guide up there for publishers, those of you who are in the room. I think most of you already know about Shelf Talkers. Susan and I have spoken to you at some point about it. But this is a really great opportunity for you two publishers, so we're inviting you to be a part of Shelf Talkers, giving students access to early advanced marketing copies of books that you'd like them to review. There are some regulations around how we want our students and schools to do this. So, what I would suggest you do in the first instance, aside from asking me questions right now, which you're able to do, is visit the About Us page, have a look through the teachers' resources, publishers, have a look through our guide up there for you, and any queries that you might have after today, feel free to email us on the email address provided on the website. You'll get either Susan or myself, most likely me. But you are most welcome to ask questions today. We've got a few minutes, so any of you who have anything really pressing that you'd like to know, go for it. No? That means I explained it really well. You did do an excellent job. Great. We'll send them the URL. Yes. No one will know it yet. Well, I'm actually about to tweet it. It's really oh, hard to like tweet. tweet. 
my own announcement. Um, I should have done it beforehand, but I'm sure some of you have beaten to it, which is great. Um, so yeah, shelf talk is get your students excited. It's suitable for primary and for secondary students. It doesn't have to be new releases. Um, it does prove to be quite a tricky writing exercise. I had to prep a couple of the sample reviews for the launch, and it's more difficult than I would have thought to keep a review to 100 words. So there's lots to learn in there for your students and for you. And really what the ultimate goal is, is to just give you a platform that can facilitate conversations with your students around books, get them excited, get you excited, and ultimately empower them too. So thanks for listening, guys. I would like to welcome um, SLAB's president, Diane Ruffles, who you all know, she's our host this afternoon in this wonderful space. Uh, Di is going to take another few minutes to launch an e-book that we've been working on for some time. Um, we thought we'd take the opportunity of this afternoon to launch it here with all of you. We thought it was the perfect audience for it. So a key role of the School Library Association of Victoria is supporting, enriching and extending the role of school libraries in curriculum and learning. A long-standing role for school libraries is our work in developing literacy skills uh, and and a lifelong enjoyment of reading through collection building, program development and the wider creation of a school-wide reading culture. Since its inception, the association has worked in this space by developing professional learning, publications and resources and offering opportunities for sharing and support. Both of our current journals, FYI and Synergy, have been in production for decades and they have both published many articles in the areas of reading, promotion, programs, research and discussion. This afternoon, Slab would like to launch a new book that celebrates uh, this long-standing area of publication on school library reading culture. And this is our um, lovely front cover, Building a Reading Culture, a selection of articles from FYI and Synergy. It brings together 48 articles um, from across the last two decades, collected in three sections, research and reflection, practice and organisations. The collection offers an historic overview um, of discussion and research and also a host of wonderful practical ideas to support the creation of a reading culture. We're thrilled to be able to bring this excellent material together in one collection. Um, this book is available in our online store as an e-book and we'll be making the practice section available as a traditional book, a traditional print book in the coming weeks. The association would like to thank Susan Lamarca and Pam McIntyre for their work as, as compilers. Maybe it's since Susan's actually here. Particularly, because obviously it's you know, Susan's initiative really here. Um, Casey Garrison um, for her lovely introduction. Um, Sam and Mario Lamarca for their work as desktop publishers and Monica Williams for techn technical support in creation of the book. We'd also like to thank the editors of both FYI and Synergy who commissioned these articles in their original form and most importantly the wonderful authors themselves, um, some of whom are actually here this afternoon in our um, auditorium, who allowed us to republish their work in this collection. So this book holds a wealth of inspiration and ideas and we know it will aid school libraries as they strive to build a reading culture. We wish it well. Thank you. So our guest, our very, very special guest in conversation this afternoon with Kristen Gill, I'm not quite sure how you're going to do this, but somehow, is the wonderful Sonia Hartman. When I was putting that slide together, I just 
such wonderful memories for myself at least and things that I've read and just to see the extraordinary number of titles across so long. So Sonia's work has won numerous Australian and international literary prizes and has been published around the world. Uniquely, she is acclaimed for her stories for adults, young adults and children. Her book of the year, sorry, her accolades include the Commonwealth Writers' Prize for Other Boy, the Age Book of the Year for Other Boy, the Guardian Children's Fiction Prize for Thursday's Child, the Children's Book Council of Australia Book of the Year for both older and younger readers, for many and various titles, the Victorian Premier's Literary Award, shortlistings for the Miles Franklin and the uh, Carnegie Medal. It's just an enormous achievement, I think, her life in writing. Hartnett is also the first Australian recipient of the Astrid Lindgren Memorial Award. So I'm absolutely thrilled that she's here with us this afternoon um, to talk to us about her new picture book and she's going to be in conversation with Kristen. Wonderful. look at whenever I write a picture a children's book I think of what I would have liked to have read when I was a child and I was a very um, shy unconfident um, quiet kid I was completely convinced that I was boring and that nobody would really genuinely want to be my friend that I had no redeeming features whatsoever, really. And that's what Catholicism does. But, uh, <laughs> no. um, um, but that's how I kind of felt. And it, um, look, I think that also kind of never goes away, but you have to learn to manage it. Um, and also, as you get older, you find people that are going to be, you know, 
simpatico with you or whatever. But when you're a child, it's incredibly difficult when you for life for a child like that. Um, every day for me was anguish, really. <coughs> to go to school was was awful. Every day was awful. I, but I grew up with a mother that there was no, and I grew up in a time. Um, like most of us, where it was basically bad luck. You go to school and you, there was no sort of, you know, molly coddling or anything like that. You just went, you had to suck it up and get on with it. So, um, so I, I, as I've grown up and my friends have had kids and I've watched them get older, uh, I've, some of those little kids have been that sort of kid as well. And I have said to a few of them along the way, look, I know that what you are going through now is really, really hard and endless and seems insurmountable. It will never change. But it will change and it, things will get better. But I've also been aware, as I've said that to them, that that doesn't really help. It doesn't, the fact is this kid still has to go to school the next day and still has to endure um, feeling that they're not good enough, that um, they're not special in any sort of way, that they have no talent, that that they really have no place. So I just thought I will maybe, it, when I was like eight or seven or nine, it would have helped to have been told, um, it doesn't matter if you're different. It is hard, but it doesn't matter, and it's actually a gift. So, and one day you will realise that you have been not um, blighted, but gifted. So, um, that's basically why I wrote. And, you know, when we hear you talk about that, that's quite um, deep, and that's quite, um, you know, strong emotional kind of content. How do you pair that back into a picture book story, I mean obviously it is for um, slightly older picture book readers, um, but how do you pair that back and, and create something as, as gentle as this in, it's slightly longer, it's not 32 pages is it, I forget how many pages it is now, it's, slight, it's about 36 pages isn't it? I don't know, Kristen. Yeah. You're the one that fought me for it. So, when <laughs> <laughs> you wanted it to be longer, and I said a little bit shorter, uh, so I think we compromised and kind of met in the middle a little bit. But yeah, um, I, I'm not sure how. It yeah, it's definitely not 40 pages, which I wanted, and it's not 28, which is what you wanted. It's somewhere <laughs> around the middle. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is that must be a very difficult thing to to have a story and a story arc that is. You know, it's a bit like writing a book for young adults and then coming to a picture book format and thinking, okay, now I've got 500 words as opposed to 50,000 words or whatever it is. Well, I take it as a challenge. Mm. Um, I'm a firm believer that a picture book should be mostly about the picture and less about the book. Um, so a picture book should have as few words as possible. So I just kind of look at it as I think... I've been doing this for 14, since I was 14, which is 40 years. Mm. If I can't hammer this specific subject down into 500 words, then I've learnt nothing. Mm. So I do take it as a challenge. 
Um, I guess my method is to write it as long as it needs to be and then to take the axe to it. Mm. And the axe swings right to the very to the very end before it goes to print. So it gets hacked, hacked at quite a few times. Um, but even uh, kind of every word upsets me in a way. I like to have it as few words as possible. If it could be like five words, that would be good. <laughs> but, um, um, but yeah, look, um, I really just, it's, I, I do think that there are a lot of books out there and to write another one, it has to be worthwhile. It has to be worth its keep. So it has to be not only about something worth writing about, but it has to be an artistic kind of challenge. Yeah. And how long does it take you to, to write? Because, you know, it is a challenge. Does it come, does it flow naturally or does it take you know, months to kind of get the story where you want it to be? Well, it depends. I mean, it doesn't matter. E every one of them is different. Um, but um, my, my, basic, I, my basic approach to a picture book for instance, is it's kind of different from a novel, but um, it's I will go right. What needs to be what needs the story to to, to be covered, and then um, I just sort of I guess it's like painting a picture. Really, you need to put a certain colour in this subject. This this line has to go in. This mm. this this scene has to be addressed. Um, so there's it's a matter of um, putting down what you need and then taking it out. Yeah, okay. Tell me about working with an illustrator. Did you um, have, did you know Gabriel before? I don't. No. I, I, uh, um, all of my picture books in the past have been um, illustrated by Lucia. Mm. Um, and I did feel a little bit if I put out a picture book and we don't go with Lucia, is Lucia going to come down from Brisbane and get me? Um, <laughs> but I uh, back to the double spread on the screen. But I um, I knew that this book needed a very very light touch in mm. terms of illustrator, and when Marina, the designer, showed me uh, Gabriel's work, I thought um, he can do it. I was a little bit, um, I guess for a long time, looking at proofs and stuff, I wasn't wearing my glasses. <laughs> and, and I kind of went, yeah, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm in the middle of the road about this, these illustrations. And then finally towards the end, when we, when we got the nice colour proofs and stuff like that, I put my glasses on and went, actually, they're really quite good. <laughs> he has a, a very deft touch, mm. um, which is is really nice. Mm. He's young and it's always, and I don't mean this to sound patronising, but and but I, it always comes across like that, but I don't mean it to, but it is really nice to be able to give somebody a hand up, mm. um, to be able to go that... Uh, you know, I've been in the industry for a long time. I know a lot of people, um, and 
uh, here is a here is a way in mm -hmm. for you as well. Not that he, I mean, he's done plenty of books in the past, um, and he probably doesn't need my help at all. But he's young and he's got years ahead of him, and I hope this will give him mm. a push. Well, um, let's talk about the title, Blue Flower, because that's you know kind of the theme of the book, and the end papers are beautiful. And this is about being a blue flower in a in a field of yellow flowers. Um, and I remember when we were looking at the cover design for this, and um, this was obviously one option, and variations of this was an option. But the blue, the the um, the kind of field of yellow flowers and a little bit of blue in it was also with her. There's a spread. Um, there's an Im image in the book which is absolutely beautiful, where she starts to kind of contemplate how she might. Um, well, that's gorgeous too. Where she starts to contemplate how she can actually make her way through this worry and this anxiety that she has about who she is and fitting in. Um, and then there's this one where she lays back and um, looks up at the sky and says, you know, not all clouds are the same colour. Not everything is, is you know, um, uniform and, and the same. And there are elements of everything in the world that are different. And, and she realises that's her. She's the one who, in this instance, who's a bit different and it's okay. But um, the title therefore comes. So where did, where did that come from for you? The idea of the blue flower being the point of difference? Uh, really just from writing that particular line yeah, right. about. Um, sometimes covers, uh, titles come to you easily, sometimes not so much. Sometimes you um, go, oh, that was almost a stroke of genius. Mm -hmm. Other times you go, that is really digging it down the bottom of the barrel. And um, uh, look, um, I'm glad that you like the title because for me it's a bit wet. Oh. But, um, sorry. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, um, <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, no, it's good. But it's like, actually good because I think it, it draws you into the story. You know, there's no kind of, um, it's, it, it's intriguing. Um, at, at first I went, oh, this is really not great. Um, but then it occurred to me one day that my, my father, who died two years ago, um, and really showed scant regard for any of his children for his whole entire life, when I was a little kid for the sort of six months of attention that he gave you before he, you grew too boring, um, used to call me the flower. So I thought I wondered actually if something in my Seven brain a long, long time ago associated childhood with, um, with Dad calling me the flower. He called my sister Lucy the champ and now and again he used to deliberately confuse the two, call me the champ, Lucy the flower, so that would be war. Um, <laughs> so, but That's beautiful. But yeah. I didn't realise that. That's really lovely. Is it, there, there's you don't a really know everything about me, Christine. No, I don't. <laughs> Lots to learn. This book is dedicated to Thai, by the way, which is very lovely. Um, because I thought Thai has always been very kind to me and I, and I have, um, you know, there's not many ways you can pay somebody back for many years of just being 
a generally incredibly sweet person to you. Um, plus, I thought, you know, Ty would would um, appreciate this little sensitive kid. And when I told Ty very rough outline of what the story was about, a little shy kid, she goes, I wasn't a kid like that at all. <laughs> Doesn't mean she can't appreciate Fine. it. Fine. <laughs> I crossed you out, Ty. Well, it's a very beautiful book and I urge you all to grab a copy out there because Sonia will be signing. Uh, it is brand new. Erin um, has a number of copies there, but I can tell you that the book is being reprinted right now. So although there's lots of books out there in stores, um, we won't have more stock now until um, for a couple of months. So um, did you know that? I did. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. <laughs> so um, to be reprinting a book, a picture book, so quickly uh, on um, publication is pretty amazing, and just goes to show the power that is the name Sonia Hartnett. The idea that not only does Sonia write beautifully crafted uh, young adult, adult, and middle grade books, but beautifully crafted picture books, and this is no exception. It is a book about. Um, as I said, all of those things, it's about friendship and um, belonging, but it's also about um, kind of difference and acceptance as well. So many levels to read it on and, and just a beautiful book to, to share with young people. So would you please thank Sonia for being here. Thank you.